The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... All right, New Age Christian family, this is Austin Fletcher. You are listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 23. Today, Christopher Teasdale is back in the studio with us, and we're going to have a discussion about permission, specifically giving yourself permission to think differently and to ask new questions. So many of us spend our lives afraid of the questions that we naturally asked when we were kids or when we were in college, because let's be honest, the people around us and the systems around us have a way of keeping us blocked in. And Chris and I, back in 2017, we began to realize that one of the number one skills that any of us can pick up as personal growth journeyers is to give ourselves permission to ask new questions and think differently. As always, Chris has got some great insights, and I enjoy talking with him, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Let's get going. All right, here we are, another episode of the New Age Christian Podcast. Today, I have Christopher Teasdale with me, and uh, he's going to be my co-host for today's discussion. We've uh, actually decided to talk about something that I know for a few months earlier in 2017, Chris, I remember you know in our journey together, you were really uh, focusing a lot on this idea of giving yourself permission yes. to yeah. explore, giving yourself permission to that, that in reality, this, this idea of permission and in your spiritual journey really is kind of where it all starts because, you know, we, we look for answers and we look for solutions, and we have, but before you can do any of that looking, before you can do any of that searching, you actually have to deal with a, a measure of freedom that's underlying that entire journey. So I'm very much excited to hear what, you know, you and I are so relational anyways, that, that's the, the nuggets that are kind of come out of this mm. discussion are pretty exciting. So I don't know, maybe start off by just kind of sharing some of your thoughts and why I, I know it was maybe four or five months. It was really, really on the tip of your tongue a lot. Yeah, it was very strong in my heart. And I think predominantly because it's such a layered subject, right? Because in so many areas of life, you're looking for permission. From the time you're a child, right. no matter who you are on this planet, <laughs> you, you've got a parent or a guardian of some sort, and then you have their culture, their religion, the, all of their rituals, and you look for permissions in that area, then you look for it when you come out from your family and are discovering religion and your way of life, and then you develop the need to ask for permissions to walk out of that, and then in a much broader sense, what you desire to walk into, right. and how much permission you have to walk into that. I think it's a, it's a, it, just as I said, it's a multi-layered 
approach that has to be taken from anyone that desires freedom. One of the first things you do as a child is to ask if it's okay if you have the cookie or whatever. Right. Because you're limited on what you can do when you're a child. Mm -hmm. And then we know, as the Bible says, when I was a man, thought of, when I was a, a child, I, so, I thought a certain way. When I was a young man, I thought a certain way. And I matured into a full-grown man. Right. And now I have different thoughts and beliefs. So I think it's imperative that, number one, we recognize that there is a need to give yourself permission in all of those areas. Hmm. But you don't do them first without giving yourself permission to come out from your family, come out from your religion, come out from all the beliefs and things that you've walked through already. But I thought I thought permission was supposed to be given by God. Right. right. <laughs> I'm just as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, we've talked about this how many times? And yeah, yeah multiple. For the first time. Yeah. I just had this thought. Wait a minute. Most people, most well-meaning people, especially Christian background, but any sort of religious background, the first thing that they're going to think is that giant control freak in the sky mm -hmm. known as God mm -hmm. that, you know, well, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only, you know, say what I have thought. like all those things. And so permission must first come from God. Yeah. But I have my thoughts on it. What, what, you know, <laughs> what would you say to that? I would say that it's given to you. For, for instance, even, that, even the thought of that permission itself is handed to you by your culture, your religion, and your family. Hmm. Even the thought of getting permission from God came from someone that you got the permission to think this way right. and no, no other way. For quite some time, most of our life is governed by that and by asking God for permission. And I, and I, would, and I would dare say, and I was just trying to think of it, what religion does not have that element and all of them have that element of begging and asking this control freak in the sky, as you've said. Mm -hmm. None of them provide the permissions to explore, um, at least not from the fundamental religions of the world. None of them provide the permissions to explore and discover new things. Or it feels like there's an assumption of a nature, a sin nature. There's an assumption mm -hmm. of if you give yourself permission, you're gonna fuck it up. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, from scripture, and the one that one that you will run into going in this in this direction if you've been in any fundamental Christianity is the scripture that's going to be thrown in your face is usually that you're sinful and your heart is sinful all, <laughs> its, all its ways and you cannot be trusted and all of those things. Right. No one reads before and after scripture. Or understands the context it, in which it was, yeah. or the covenant it was in or no, anything like that, no. you know. Yeah. The heart is deceitfully, deceitfully wicked. Yeah. Above all else, or something like that. Mm -hmm. See, I'm, the, the, it's beautiful that neither of us really know the quote because we never freaking quote it. 
<laughs> this is true. We've had it thrown in our face many, many, many yes. times. But, yeah, but, the permission from God thing is actually really personal for me at the moment because I have come back to a place where I'm embracing that, but in a completely different way. Yes. As an empowered being. Right. As opposed to a begging or right. dependent being. And it's almost, there's really no human construct. I have tried to think of an analogy for over a year now, because you and I were at a conference event with Jamie Englehart and Tony Fitzgerald. Yes. That uh, Tony, it was, a, I think, five sessions, and he talked about spiritual fathering and mm -hmm. kind of mentoring and the family of God concept. Yes. And for you and I, it really kind of, was the culmination of a series of events that Spirit took us through individually and corporately that led us back to the Father's house. Right. You know, we had, we had, for lack of a better way to say it, like the prodigal son, we took our inheritance mm -hmm. and our creative divineness mm -hmm. and our creative capacity. We said, thank you. Now I'm going to go, I'm going to give myself permission <laughs> to go create my life. Right. And that's where a lot of new age people are, right? They, they don't need God's permission. They don't need, and I would say that's beautiful. Yes. Like you, you start there, and you've, mm -hmm. and then at the same time, there's just been this kind of full circle journey of now coming back to the Father's house, like the prodigal son. Yes. In my authority, in my creative knowingness, and my I amness, yet now saying as a co-creator, mm -hmm. as a creator of something bigger than my own life. And I think that's the difference, right? Absolutely. A lot of people want to create. I am a creator, therefore I'm going to create the life I want. Mm. That's beautiful. But there's a higher level Absolutely. of being a creator and creating the world. And now it goes bigger than you and beyond you. Yep. And I would point towards the picture of mentoring. Because in varied levels in our life, we've had different mentors, right? Mm-hmm. And those have been in the physical, in the material world. We have had a mentor that would teach us a new thing we did not know at one point. And then... And now we know everything. And now everything's figured out. <laughs> no. So, so, and then you look in the spirit realm and you go, is that applicable mm. in the spirit and absolutely it is, but you're only going to find it in one place. Right. And that's the clockmaker, the one that has created you, yeah. the one that has formed you, that knew you before your mother's womb. All of those things come into play when you start to look in the spirit for that type of mentorship. And it's far deeper than the traditional idea of mentorship because now it's, it's a loving father. Hmm. And... Uh, he knows a little bit. It's a loving father with you being a powerful child. Absolutely. And one that holds his or her inheritance fully in their hand and has all of the rights and abilities of that family. Hmm. The coming back to the father's house to me, and it's interesting that this discussion on permission brought that up yeah this has come in this uh, we, <laughs> yeah. we have some of an outline and I think it's really good and so we need to jump out of this for a, in a bit but coming back to the father's house is to me a 
a very precious discussion, but the best analogy I can think of for it is kind of like a mob family, like the Godfather, yeah. right? And it's one thing to be a son in the house who is not trusted, right? but is more of a, you know, the, there's always that, that mob, the, the one son that's like really mature and is, and, is, <laughs> and the mob, the Godfather is, is trusting mm-hmm. family business too. Yes. And then there's the, the screw up son who makes stupid decisions, does stupid things and is always causing problems. And the only, you know, and I think a lot of Christians feel like they're the screw up son. So they act like the screw up son. And so they only do what the father does out of a servant or a fear-based mentality. Like, well, if I don't do it, then I'm going to screw up my life. Yes. Versus a strong son that says, no, I'm doing what the father does because he's entrusted me to help run the family business. Mm -hmm. And it inherently points back to the other podcast we had on boundaries. Where's the boundary? Right. Because for that son that's supposedly the screw up, you know, that boss only gives so much room to. Right. But for the one that's trusted, that has maturity, that has full capability of growing this thing, there's no boundaries. He can create business of his own mm-hmm. on behalf of the family. That's why the prodigal son gets the ring yes. and the robe when he comes back. That's because now he has the authority to conduct family business. Yeah. That's what you know. the ring was for. It was a signet ring to sign contracts and to represent the family. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, at least Hebraically, that you can get your inheritance before you have the authority. Absolutely. And you can conduct business on behalf of the family that already previously exists. However, another level of responsibility mm-hmm. is where you create business on behalf of the family. And that was their tradition. That's why it's in that story. Right. Right. And that's where the father looks at the other son and says, Dude, you have not understood that everything is yours and you can create business on behalf of the family. You can have a party for yourself with your friends if you want to. That's right. But you think you don't own any of it. Mm-hmm. The prodigal son understood he owned it. Yes. And he, and he used that in inversion. And I believe that is, in many ways, it's the New Age religion as a whole right now. Mm-hmm. Is that you got people stepping into saying, I am God. I am the body of God. I, I know who I, I'm a creator. I create my own life. And they're using that creative capacity to create the life they want. And there's something beautiful about saying, yes, I want riches. Mm-hmm. I want influence. I want fun. I want, you know, whatever it is I want, I can create. And you're absolutely right. However, when you then take that capacity and you say, okay, well, Father, what are you creating? Yes. Because the nature of God is such that, I mean, obviously he hates death and sickness. Yes. But when you look at Jesus and he actually, when he himself is struggling to want what the Father wants and he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, not my will, but your be done. Jesus is a creator. He knows he can create the life he wants, but he is submitting his want to a higher one. Absolutely. And now you get into oneness, mm-hmm. and now you, the boundaries are, un, there are none. That's right. But it is, it's an interesting paradox of my greatest exercise of free will is in choosing, and my greatest exercise of creativity is in choosing to use it for somebody else's will. Yeah. And isn't it true that 
the only real boundaries that we have are the ones that we place upon ourselves because we have autonomy. Right. So we'd like to think that it's our friends and family that give us our boundaries, but in reality, as you're saying, it's it's ourselves that it really all comes down to. And you mentioned that um, some of that about your history and your background and some of the cultural stuff that you wanted to talk about that. What do you want to say about that? Yeah, so I grew up as a missionary's kid, first in Rhodesia, which became Zimbabwe, mm. and South Africa, which had apartheid. And I grew up in a lot of war and famine and all that kind of thing. But with South Africa in point, they had a system called apartheid. Right. So in apartheid, the system was modeled after Nazi Germany. So um, it was very similar. Someone was better and someone was lesser. And someone was always in control, so to speak, of the entire society. So it didn't matter who you were within the society. Even if you were one of those that they called better, your life was governed all of the time and you could not make friends with or mm. um, or uh, be around people that were not like you. So every part of society was so controlled that it was segmented completely. And one of the major things you discover within that kind of environment is that you have to ask permission for everything. Mm. Otherwise, you're in jail, you're imprisoned, you're you might go missing. So within that kind of structure, I found it eerily similar to religion. <laughs> I found did, it. Did you just compare apartheid yeah, to religion? Absolutely, because one is... Oh boy. Yeah, I know. Because one is the accepted norm and you're a part of the club and one you're not. But what stands out to me is, we've talked about this how many times? Yeah, many And times. I've never, ever considered, like, oh my gosh, even if you're in the club, yeah, you still have constant... So it's no different than the Jews and the Gentiles, right? Absolutely. Gentiles were out, you're not chosen, you're not the good people. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would have rather been a Jew or a Gentile. Because yeah. even though the, the Jews were chosen, yeah. they had even more rules. Did you heal this man on the Sabbath? Oh my gosh. So <laughs> what you're saying is growing up in apartheid, it was like, sure, we all know that it was, you know, the, the Afrikaans whites mm -hmm. that were ruling class. And then yes. you had the coloreds and the blacks mm -hmm. that were quote unquote lesser. Yes. Yeah. Yet, even as a white, you're saying the controls, the rules, the laws, the permissions or the lack thereof. Yeah. So a little story because, you know, I like to tell story because story is the way that we discover so much of the world mm -hmm. and so much about ourselves as well. A little story is that growing up and being a part of a white high school where it all of a sudden began to be integrated when Mandela became came to power, I was, my, my parents were the first multiculture, multi-denominational church in South Africa. Mm. So for many years, we would have church behind closed doors 
and we'd have to hide everything that we did. It was all underground. Hmm. Did you put stuff up on the windows as yes, well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And we had to like come from different directions of town towards the places that we would meet. So it was very interesting because any different place of town meant a different race. Hmm. So it'd be multiple races coming together to worship. And what happened was it began to be understood in Durban where I was that we were one of the first multiracial, multicultural churches. And when I went to high school, that wasn't too popular. I had apparently the right skin tone. <laughs> I apparently was in the right neighborhood. Right. But then me and other friends on an almost daily basis were taken into the locker room and beat up and our heads put in the toilet and we were urinated. I mean, it was, it was a horrendous experience. But you, you soon discover that you can have all of the right parameters that they desire for you to have and then all of a sudden you not be in the good old boys club anymore. So even if they give you permission, even if you receive quote-unquote acceptance, mm -hmm. it's still even permission. Mm -hmm. Being given permission is still a reverse, it's still control. Oh, absolutely. In every way. You have my permission to be free. Yeah. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. When you remove that permission, apparently I'm not free anymore. So in reality, I never was free because I'm still needing your permission to be free. Right. As opposed to inherently being free from before you were created. As a teacher, I find that people are often seeking my permission. Yes. Because they've given me that position, right? They, 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 and it's subconscious, and nobody is consciously coming to me as their master. Right, right. Right. But on a subconscious level, people thinking they're free and yet continuing to seek somebody else's permission to be free by default means you're not free right and i have friends that have been in prison and friends that have been in jail for lengths of time and one of the first things that kind of ids them is that when they come out the first thing they're asking is uh, can i go to the bathroom can i go here can i do you mind if i go and do it? and they're asking permissions immediately mm. well Oh my gosh, there's just so many well-meaning people that, that... So, New Age Christianity is inherently filled with, you know, kind of explorer personalities. Yes. And I think we can easily... We come out of Christianity that does have its control mechanisms, but we have been conditioned to need permission. Yeah. Right? And so that's where I get a lot of students who come to me and I've continually amazed at how many times we have introduced Christians to a cigar right, or their first beer, yeah, right? Uh -huh. And just tobacco and alcohol, right? For nothing right. else, like we've never done pot or anything like that. Like right, just, right. just those, you know, a cigar and a beer. And I've, we've witnessed, I think three different dudes actually cry. Oh yeah. I mean, it's a revolutionary thing to them that they have permission from themselves to engage in a substance, to have a substance. And that's it, is because I've seen other ones, I've, I've been there while other ones have had their first, and they're looking at me like, 
is this okay? Is this okay? Right. Is this okay? Right. Right. And I'm just enjoying my cigar, which I enjoy. Yeah. But the ones who it really seems to impact is it is, it's beyond Chris and Austin are having a cigar with me and I look up to them and they say this is okay, so it must be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, this is actually perfect. I saw it this morning and it resonated in my spirit. It was a meme and it was a picture of Sylvester Stallone for some reason, right? And it said, confidence isn't walking into a room and say, they're all going to like me. Right. right. Confidence is walking into the room and saying, even if they don't like me, I'll be okay. That's right. Absolutely. You know, one thing, if you're a parent and you're walking on this journey, a parent of children, you are endeavoring with every fiber of your being to instill confidence. Mm-hmm. And when they come to ask you for permissions, at least I and many others who are on this journey are seeking to make sure that they know <laughs> that they have permission to make decisions. Yeah. So when they come to me and they say, can I do this? I say, what do you, what do you think? So I have a, a spiritual son mm-hmm. that shall rename Nameless, yes. but I know he listens to this podcast religiously. Yes. And you know who you are as yeah. you're listening right now. <laughs> and it was actually a very recent kind of, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think he would probably classify it as a, a conflict between he and I. Mm-hmm. And I was just on my side just kind of chuckling because he was bumping up against this. Yeah. For a few years, he's been seeking my permission. Yes. And he was engaging in some some behaviors that I didn't think were smart. Right. I didn't hide my opinion of it. Right. And he went home and we had a conversation, a few conversations about what he should do or should not do. And I don't ever, you know, for years he would ask me to like permission. Right. And and what he wanted was rules. He wanted law. He wanted if I do this, this, and this, then I'm good. And if I don't do it, I'm bad. Right. So. Yeah. So law be gone, mm-hmm. and that took some time. But then there was the personal, relational side of it where he had given himself. So I wasn't giving him law. Mm-hmm. So that's rule number one, right? That's you know the other people and the systems, the apartheid around you. Right. But if you can get out of that, level number two is your own permissions. That's great. And this is what he was bumping up, up, bumping up against because... His behaviors were such that I, I shared my opinion and I thought they were not the smartest behaviors, right? Right. But I did not tell him, you must not, you cannot, you know. Right. And I, as a matter of fact, at the end of our conversation, I said, as long as you're going to keep doing it, at least remove the condom, condemnation and enjoy it. Right. Right. Give yeah. yourself the freedom to enjoy it. Yes. Because as long as you keep this battle going in your mind, you're going to be stuck. It's prison and that's definitely not the right answer. So if you're going to keep doing it, have a good time. And you know, the great. thing that the thing that comes to mind is that they're condemned in their own minds. Yes. No one else might be condemning them. Their family, no one else. But in your own mind, you're condemning yourself. And the condemnation, when it comes to permission directly, there's like the actual activity, right? Right. Do I have permission for this activity? But what this this young man was facing was essentially. Choosing from this day forward, where is he going to get his permission from? Yeah. Is it going to come from me? Or is he going to be his own permission giver? 
And it took him about a month and a half, maybe a month, to kind of sort through it. And I didn't hear much from him. And then I got a phone call, or maybe it was a text, I can't remember. And like, hey, we need to talk. Yeah. And I said, everything okay? And he's like, no, it's not good. And I'm like, interesting, okay. And what he then shared with me was like, I want to know if I disagree with you, what you're going to do. Because I'm, I'm perceiving that if I disagree with you, that we're done. <laughs> I'm like, so this is the first time he's given himself permission to think differently than I do about yeah. a particular subject. And the battle wasn't about the subject. The battle was about who's his permission giver. Yeah. And while the behavior was still something I don't agree with, yeah. the fact that he had the courage to become his own boundary setter, that, that he had the courage to look at his spiritual father his teacher, his mentor, and say, I disagree with you, mm -hmm. and therefore I'm going to give myself permission to do this. While the behavior is one thing, the core mechanism that was finally activated in his life was, I am mm -hmm. my permission giver. I am yes. the person who sets my boundaries. Yes. And if you're out there and you're listening, and you have people in your life that you know that are engaging in a life that you might not agree with, <laughs> but they're doing it to the absolute nth degree. They are taking control of their own life and they are making the decision. And in fact, walking in an element of I am that, they, that those that don't agree with them might not be. Mm -hmm. So it's imperative that you allow them to walk in their life, no matter how destructive it might look, no matter how it might not line up with all of your beliefs, them being empowered and them being people that are walking in I am is of utmost importance. It strikes me that if someone were to ask me, you know, Austin, what do you think the, what is the antithesis of the kingdom? It's not sin. No. The antithesis of the kingdom is not is not darkness or anything. You know what the antithesis of the kingdom is? Control. That's right. Control is the mechanism by which permission is it's kind of a philosophical way to think about it. I'm trying trying to put words to it. That we, we talk about permission and yes or no. Mm -hmm. But the assumption underneath permission on a philosophical level is that someone's in control. Yes. And if you're given that control to anyone else other than yourself and the spirit, then you are living in a permission-based system. Even if you are, you're an apartheid and you're white and you're one of the chosen ones, you're still under control. That's correct. You yeah. might be on the benefited, the, the more benefited side of control, but you're still under control. Very much so. I just did an episode on politics mm -hmm. and libertarianism. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I know another individual who listens to this podcast struggled with some of the things I said because there's so much injustice and there's so much, um, there's so many problems, there's so many behaviors, like this young man who was doing behaviors that I found to be unjust in certain ways and I expressed it, you know, you know, you look at the, the sex trafficking or you look at the, the abuses in different areas of government or whatever, there is a ton of injustice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, a ton of injustice. And this is not to say 
that we don't intentionally go after these injustices and begin to create their solutions. Right. But it is to say that, like Paul, when he says, look, just hand them over to Satan and let, and let, let the freedom be its own machine. Absolutely. Right? Instead of me putting control on people, he just says, hand them over. Yes. Just, and, and it is literally the antithesis of the kingdom is control itself. Because right. he came and set you free. Yes. And you have self-control. Yeah. And you have power, love, and a sound mind. And you can make decisions of your own. Of your own accord. So many people are afraid, and this is the one we talked, this is what we talked about for months in early 2018. I think I said 17 last year. It's, I keep forgetting it's 2019 now. <laughs> Happy New Year. Um, 2018, in the beginning of it, was like this idea, like, there's so many ideas that are scary. Right? And the idea, what do I do with Jesus? What do I do with the Holy Spirit? Especially inside a New Age Christianity. Let's just go there. What do I do with the Bible? What do I do with the traditions? And in the interview we did with you, the New Age Christian interview with Christopher Teasdale, mm-hmm. we talked about ritual. You know, what do I do with the, you know, the sacraments and worship music and all this stuff? And giving yourself permission to question. Oh my, yeah. It's such a major, it's a tool in your belt that will never go away, but also will always grow because along the way you'll establish your own beliefs that within the next few months you discover, wait a second, I'm not so much in line with myself and myself is saying to myself, I don't, I don't so much agree with that anymore. So to question works not only on what someone else says, what your family line has said to you, what religion or politics has said to you, it also works internally. Hmm. Questioning is, it should be done with everything. I mean, you see the bumper stickers that say, question everything. It's absolutely The thing is, is, we scare ourselves. Yes. Right, because, so, you familiar with the reticular activating system? To some degree. I have, I've mentioned it on, I think this would be the third podcast, but mm-hmm. it is so incredibly relevant. So, the reticular activating system is a sorting mechanism in your brain. Mm-hmm. And you can think of the billions of pieces of data, the bits of data available to you right now. Yeah. You know, the background noises, the, the you know, we're sitting in front of my computer and we, we're watching the recording go across and the dancing of the, the levels. I mean, there's so many things you could be paying attention to, but right now you're paying attention to me explaining the reticular activating system. Mm-hmm. That system is filtering out what's important. Correct. Yeah. And it's feeding you what's important. Mm-hmm. But at the very core of the definition of what is important, quote unquote, is self-preservation. Yes. That's why your reticular activating system tells you when you're hungry. That's why it tells you when you're not feeling good. That's mm-hmm. why it tells you, because you can imagine you're sick mm-hmm. and you're doing 50,000 other things. Which, How does you know which data is important? Yeah. Well, your reticular activating system is about preserving yourself. Yeah. That absolutely includes how we define ourselves. Yes. So when I define myself as a Christian, or I define myself as a Baptist, or I define myself as a whatever, when you begin to question, you're you're beginning to challenge your definition of yourself. Yes. 
And now your reticular activating system literally now has to re-examine all of the data that it's been pushing you. So mm -hmm. you, you believe, well, I'm, I'm, I can't read well, right. right? And so you go out every day and you read billboards just fine and you read, you know, but suddenly you, you get to these scenarios where you have to read publicly or you, and now your reticular activating system finds all the proof you need that you can't read well. Because yeah. it proves you right. It takes your identity and says, this is who you are. Mm -hmm. And if it showed you all the ways in which you read well, or if it began to illuminate to you the millions of people in the world who can't read at all, mm -hmm. right? you would think you were crazy. Yeah. Because you would believe you're not a good reader, and yet your evidence would be that you are. Yeah. And so it scares you when your identity begins to pick up other pieces of data. Yeah. And most of us, the reason that we don't grow is not because we don't want to. It's not because we don't know how to. It's because we have not given ourselves permission to challenge mm -hmm. that identity. And so our reticular activating system just continually feeds us the data that says, yep, you're right. Yeah. And there's two things that feed into the if we can eliminate unhealthy fear from that scenario, we're gathering the best out of who we are and our identity and our growth and our progression. The other thing that feeds into that is that no matter your background, what language you speak or whatever, we are subconsciously constantly looking for the things that confirm to us how terrible we are at something. <laughs> right? Yeah. We are constantly looking for that. We're constantly looking for a confirmation from someone else, from the environment, and from the feedback that we get from the world that we are great at failing. Yeah, fill in the blank with whatever it is. Fill in the blank for whatever. <laughs> Socially, relationally, whatever. Whereas standing in your I amness, Fear is not paramount, it's then used as a tool for the things that you actually should fear as opposed to the plethora of things that are unnecessary to fear. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, it flips the looking for confirmation of what you fail at on its head. So then, in your I amness, you're actually just having a mirror the world is a mirror to you of how amazing you can be. I cannot remember the quote entirely, but it's not the fear of us failing that we actually fear the most. It's the one, the, the thing that we fear the most is how amazing we can be. Mm -hmm. And you got to give yourself permission to believe that. That's right. It's like, like permission is almost like a membrane. Yes. And it's laminated together with fear. Right. As another memory. That's right. Yeah. You know, and it's laminated with your beliefs, and that, and that's I would, you know, if it's if it's two layer membrane where you've got permission and fear, it's wrapped up and bound together, or it's glued together by beliefs. Yes. And that is so. If you, you know, envision, I'm envisioning me at the in the center of a circle, that's a perfect symmetrical circle around me, mm -hmm. and that symmetrical circle defines everything I think I am. Yeah. Right. 
or everything that I am, not just think I am, because yeah. if I think I am, I am. That's right. Right? Mm -hmm. But I look and I go, you know, I've always believed that I'm X, Y, and Z, and I don't want to be X, Y, and Z anymore, so I need to give myself permission to believe that I could not be X, Y, and Z. That membrane is... Some subjects are easier to break through that membrane than others. Mm -hmm. right? If you're talking about a skill, like, I'm, I'm terrible at piano. Mm -hmm. Well, go take some classes and you can, you know, get a, get a teacher and you can become less terrible at piano. Right. So skills are one thing, but like personality traits. Identity. You know, identity stuff. Um, the things you struggle with, you know, will this happen to me and therefore, you know, I always struggle with this. Even down to things, physical things, like oh, I'm always going to have ear problems or I'm going to, you know, giving yourself permission to believe that you don't need to have bad eyesight. Yes. Giving yourself permission to believe that you don't need to have a problem with sar constant sarcasm. Mm -hmm. We lock ourselves in, and I think that's a, this kind of segueing into once you get past the permission from people and, and the systems you're in, the next boundary you hit is permissions for yourself. Yes. Like this young man that I was talking about. Yes. That he finally realized instead of getting permission from me, he's now going to get permission from himself. Yeah. And that is absolutely the next level in identity. Yeah. Now, that one, I don't think ever, I mean, you always have to get permission from yourself. That is the, the highest level of living in this subject, in permission-wise. But, okay, now let's say somebody is, yeah, I stepped out of religion, I stepped out of my family systems, I don't look to teachers anymore. You know, I absolutely am the permission giver of my life. And, hey, maybe I've even come back to the Father's house and to the Spirit's way of being to where I then use that powerfully to submit back to the spirit that I will give myself permission but I will always double check with him type of thing right. right that's where you and I are at yes okay once you get there what are some of the skills what, what would you say to the most and I don't know this isn't an interview this is a discussion but yeah um, some of the things that you found for yourself that you almost like a mantra or a, the skills that you know to be daily necessary to live that way I would say that first and foremost I had to look at those membranes of fear in the, and find them in the, in the natural once I found them in the natural I realized that all those membranes the sperm and the egg in the body the hymen the womb mm -hmm. all of them produce a birthing of something in, in, in the typology out of scripture mm -hmm. one membrane is passed through into another yeah, the veils. and there's always a transformation or a birthing of something that takes place once that membrane is passed through it shouldn't only give us courage to pass through those membranes it should excite us to no end that something new is about to be birthed. Now, yes, it will take your own intestinal fortitude <laughs> to gather the courage to pass through that because of your fears of the culture that you're in, the family that you're a part of, the rituals that you're familiar with to pass in through that membrane. But once it's passed through, there will be a birthing of something new, always. And that reminder, then, that, and on a skill level, 
It has to be pretty freaking conscious sometimes. Yes. Because the natural way to go, oh, I'm now going to pass through this thing that I fear. Mm-hmm. I'm now going to pass through this thing that I've not given myself permission to think differently. Sometimes it's like, yes, I'm going to give myself permission to believe my eyes can be healed. And it's easy to be excited. Yes. Other things, not so much. Right? That's right. And that's where I look to one of the craziest verses to unpack in the scripture to me is, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yes. Like, let's rewind that back. Mm-hmm. He was happy about going through the cross. Yeah. Certainly, the cross being that memory, being that that moment, that thing, shitty as as hell, right? I mean, oh, the, yes. the, no Never doubt. Way. You know, but but he was happy about it. Mm-hmm. That that happiness had to be conscious. Absolutely. He had to see, prophetically see, the other side of passing through that. Yeah. And when it comes to the worst things that we fear, the worst things that we struggle to give ourselves permission to do, I don't think, I, I think that little nugget about finding the joy, finding the thing, because that will be the thing that helps you get through it. Absolutely. Right. It's it's it says for the joy set before him he endured the cross. I don't think without the joy he could have. That's right. Right. And I think Jesus knew that, which is why he the Garden of Gethsemane, he it took him three times to to want what the Father wanted in it and that and that, that joy had to settle in. Mm-hmm. And so as absolutely a skill based nugget, when you know that that's the mechanism that you need to find mm-hmm. You can find it that much easier to go, oh my gosh, I'm struggling with this. It's because I've lost sight of the target. I've lost sight of what I'm excited about. Yeah. I think part and parcel with that would be the skill that is learned of taking every thought captive. Yes. Because whatever you're thinking is going to determine what the outcome is. So taking it captive before passing through that is envisioning the outcome as the absolute best outcome and surprises on the other side. And I would use, you know, a word I would put there? Awareness. Absolutely. Yeah. Because And it's self-awareness. It's, it's mm-hmm. awareness of what is going on in your mind, what is going on inside of you, how you're being perceived by those around you, how you're perceiving everything around you. Like if you're back to that bubble that is that is you, mm-hmm. if you are completely aware of everything that's going in in that bubble and around that bubble and really the membrane where you meet the world. Yes. Or where you meet the ideas. And maybe we should do someday do that exercise about, you know, saying your name to yourself with your eyes closed. Oh my. You know? yeah. If you've never done it, just real quickly, you know, if you close your eyes and you say, my name is Austin, whichever your name is, and ask yourself, who just said that? Mm-hmm. Right. And then don't use words and say it internally. Yeah, say it again. And then say it again and ask yourself, who just, who's the one listening? Who's the observer? Right. And then who's saying it? Who's hearing it? And then finally say it again. And then ask yourself, who's the one observing this whole thing? Yeah. Right. That you, you have an internal mechanism of awareness of yourself and you can that is the beauty of our divine nature that we our spirit our soul and our body and our i amness can all interact 
together and you can have a conversation with yourself in like three different ways. Absolutely. And the awareness of that, it is the source of courage. Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And I would say, you know, coming back to the Father's house is a pretty good idea. Absolutely. Um, I don't, you know, if you're just freshly coming out of Christianity, I would actually say you should probably figure out how to take your inheritance first. Yes. Right. So a lot of people can come out of Christianity and they, out of fear, they can go, oh, I'm still staying in the Father's house. Yay. I, I still have my permission giver. <laughs> and this is saying, I'm, we're actually encouraging you to go be the prodigal son. That's right. Right. Don't, don't let it be the same old man in a new suit. Right. Yeah, so go be your own permission giver. Yes. And 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 step out. That's the skill. Mm. But yes, once you've figured out who you are, I, we highly encourage you to come back to the Father's house as a co-creator and you can join us in changing the world. Absolutely. As powerful sons of God. Mm -hmm. I think there's one additional skill that I would throw in there. What's that? And that is in your journey of giving yourself permission and all this freedom, you become this person that's like, you become Braveheart. Right. It's really easy to then turn around and start judging other people who haven't. Yeah. And it's probably the first thing that you do anyway <laughs> on this journey, if I'm honest. Hmm? You kind of naturally do it. I've arrived and I have and I have come through so much and I'm so free. Look at these that are bound. <laughs> these these muggles. Right. <laughs> Look at these still enslaved, and you look down upon them, and then once you mature more, you discover that you're doing that, and you don't like that about yourself. Right. Yeah. And then you discover that in your purest self, you would not look at someone else as that because you were actually them. You're just doing point. you're just doing it on a deeper level too. Absolutely. You're still playing that game. You're on a different spiral of the spiral of truth, but that's it. You're still in the spiral. Yeah. You're still playing permission and control. Yes. And you're yeah. just judging them for not having as much permission and as much freedom as you do. Yeah. And yet if they truly had all the freedom that you're saying you live in, yeah. what is there to judge? Don't feed that ego for the sake of trying to grow spiritually. And the, and the answer is just honor. Yes. You know, just honor the crap out of people. Yes. Let, you know, the, the when we left, I know both of us and so many in this New Age Christian camp, mm -hmm. when you leave churchianity, mm -hmm. you spend, some of us longer than others, you spend time turning around and judging where you just came from. Yeah. Right? Those buttholes, those judgmental pricks, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, and mm -hmm. you're just being one. Yeah. You're just being a judgmental prick butthole too. Yeah. In a different way. And we would never sit on here and say, okay, so stop doing that. Because <laughs> right? that's just a law exactly. with, with nothing to replace it with. Right. Instead, replace it with honor. Yes. And replace it with perspective. Yes. And love and peace and all that good stuff. But honor really is, to me, my favorite word there. Yes. Because there's so many examples within Scripture. If you're from a a different religious background there's beautiful examples of honor mm -hmm. you can look at cultures and find the honor that the young have for the elder you can find honor even to those who are free to those that have once enslaved them 
because they were a part of strengthening them yes. to such a degree. There used to be honor in battle. Yes. There used to be honor between enemies. Yes. I think we've, we have forgotten how to honor. Mm. And as such, the judgment has just gotten worse. Yeah, because someone's beliefs differ from you does not mean that you cannot have you cannot break bread with them and you cannot have dinner with them and you cannot you know learn their perspective and maybe show and gently share your perspective on things that's the beauty of that diversity yeah and that's what we talked about on that last episode in our interview mm -hmm. about the the when you come into hopefully when you come into new age christianity you not only find a home but you find a home that has no borders yes and you find uh, like the israelites in the promised land you realize this territory is so vast that there's still uh, inside of an identity called new age christianity there's still massive room for difference yes and that is one of the permissions that by all means this culture <laughs> gives is you have you we give you permission to give yourself permission. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Take it's, all the all the shoulds and the should nots and all of those instructions from control hmm. and banish them from who you are. Yeah. Otherwise you just should all over yourself. That's right. You should your pants. Should do. <laughs> well, hopefully this episode is uh Giving you some food for thought. I know uh, Christopher and I love just talking through some of the uh, the more internal mechanisms of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'll have him back a lot, hopefully, assuming... Uh, and great fun, and I enjoy the subject matter because it actually matters. <laughs> right? It actually matters. Oh, my goodness. So, well, thank you, Chris. Yes. And uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And uh, we uh, thank the thank you for listening, giving us your time. We always appreciate always appreciate uh, you know in this day and age, giving somebody an hour of your time is uh, a big freaking deal. So as always, if you consider donating, we would highly appreciate it. And um, until next time, God bless, and we'll see you on the next episode.